guys, I am Michaela Dice. I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us here on my podcast because you belong here. Um, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about testimonies. I am a firm believer that your testimony should be someone else's prophecy. So we will be talking with some of my friends and family and people that I love about things that God has done in their lives. And I will be sharing different things about things that God has spoken to my heart and things that I've experienced through him and his word. And so I just wanted to tell you, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair and come hang out with us as we go deep, discovering the ways that God has proven his love in tangible ways. I am so excited you're here. guys welcome back to my podcast because you belong here i am here with the sweetest chelsea stable um i don't think we've ever met in person but chelsea is friends with my sister kelsey and um we've been friends on facebook for a while so i'm really excited that yep. we actually talk so thanks it's like a me. real virtual friendship that's happening it's true funny it's crazy to be sitting here and talking and realizing that I don't think we've actually ever spoken to each other. Yeah, it's <laughs> odd, but uh, I kind of dig it. I mean, I, mean, I love it. it. Yeah. So you can tell everybody a little bit about yourself, Chelsea. Um, yeah, um, my name's Chelsea Stable. My husband is Eric Stable and he is a worship leader. And I know that it seems weird to like introduce yourself by who your husband is but like most people know him more than they know me um but I am like author teacher artist so I've like taught classes and um on the bible and you know I've I've written a book about um like the Christmas nativity and I don't know I mean like that's kind of how recently I've been branding myself but in reality I feel like I'm a mom of three and I am just totally trudging through life trying to figure it out and live with eternity in my focus I mean that is you know you can like get into the whole branding and everything but in reality I feel like I am just my own version of Peter and Paul trudging through life I like that um, for all of you people who are listening, Chelsea has this amazing book that's going to be coming out. Did I see in 30 days? Um, yes. Is that what it it's says on the website? available for pre-order now, but then it'll, I think you get your copies like the very beginning of November. Okay. Cause it's for, um, Christmas. So it's like, it'll be out this Christmas. Yes. Basically. So I saw a sample and it is beautiful. Um, so I will put the link to Chelsea's website in the show notes so that you guys can go there and look through all of her stuff. She has paintings that she does and you can see kind of examples of those, um, some videos and you can pre-order her book. So that's my little side note that I will put that in there so that you guys can support her as well, because it's going to be amazing. Thanks friend. So I'm very excited. I am too. It's going to be, it's cool to see something that like you've been working on. It feels like like you've given birth, like it, like it's here. Yeah. It's this thing that I'm working on and all of a sudden I'm like holding it in my hands and that's crazy. I love it. Yeah. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, yeah. is there, so the whole purpose is to talk about testimonies. So yeah. what 
is a time or a season in your life when you have gone through something or just a time where God has really just shown his love to you? Yeah. Um, so I was, I was like thinking through this question and I was, um, talking it over with Eric and I was having like a really hard time choosing one testimony because I feel as if my life is just this string of things that God has done for me over and over and over again. And so you kind of have these, um, oh, you know, your I call them like your mountaintop moments and your valley moments and mm-hmm. you're just kind of life ebbs and flows and you're on the mountain and then you're in the valley, mountain, valley, mountain, valley. And I was like, do I choose a valley moment to share or do I choose like a mountaintop moment? Do I go with victory or do I go with like my bad stuff? You know, because um, I think both testimonies are super powerful because, you know, we have like my husband and I went through a miscarriage and that was a really big valley for us. Um, but then our son was born, but then three weeks after he was born, he went in for surgery and like, that was a valley, like mountain valley. Right. And then he was okay. And then, you know, immediately following that, right. Then we, we ended up having another son and then my husband, um, you know, he has like a chronic disease. And so he was started getting hospitalized a lot right after we had our second son. And then all of a sudden he breaks his hip and like, that was just this crazy season in our life. It was insane. But then fast forward a year after that, and we have like, it feels like the red cross is happening in our house and we're making like 10,000 masks for the state of New Mexico, like in the middle of 2020, and rocking and rolling and then fast forward a year after like we like a year after that all of a sudden now we're like getting prepared to leave New Mexico I mean it has just been this bizarre journey I guess I could say yeah and you know it's been just a lot of ups and downs and I was trying to think you know in the midst of that like we had a supernatural thing happen with our home Um, where we like bought our home for an insanely discounted price that only God could have done. And then we also were like gifted three different vehicles within that time. And so you have these like, yeah, that's insane. (laughs) When we were having my daughter, when we were pregnant with my daughter, I told somebody, I said, I'm not buying a van because every time I have a baby, somebody gives me a car. And I was just being facetious. Like I was kind of being, you know, just like ornery about it. And then I kid you not, the day we brought my daughter home, somebody showed up and gave us, gave us the keys to a car. That's amazing. Like only God is yeah. going to put my, my mouth like that, you know? So we've had these crazy, amazing moments in these crazy, like deep, dark valleys that we've gone through. And I'm... I was just really having trouble figuring out how, like, how to give God enough credit through all of that. Mm -hmm. Do you give him credit from the mountaintop? Do you give him credit through this, you know, the valley of death? And um, I guess the biggest 
like defining moment so far has been when my husband did break his hip, I guess I would say. Um, just because he had, that was like his third or fourth hospitalization that year. And so he had been going to the hospital for like two or three nights in a row and then coming back and then two or three nights in a row coming back. And that, and we just had, you know, I had a six month old and a year and a half year old um, son to these two sons. And I like had these babies and their dad kept going into the hospital and in and out of the hospital. And it was, um, and then he broke his hip. So, and he broke it three hours away from us. So they had to, you know, bring him in an ambulance back to Clovis. And he was in the hospital for a while. And then after that, I mean, he, he didn't really have mobility. Um, we were pushing him around in a wheelchair at best, but really he wasn't moving. My youngest son wasn't sleeping through the night. And um, every time Eric had to get up in the middle of the night, like I had to get up with him and then I was getting up. So I was just sleeping in these like 30 minute intervals a night. Um, yeah. Like thank God for Red Bull and dry shampoo. Yeah. That is what I done in that season. It was, it was insane. And it did a number on our marriage for sure. Like within that. So we were dealing with this, you know, like literally his bones were broken and he had to have surgery on that. But our marriage was broken in the middle of it because he was dealing with just a lot of depression um, and, and really questioning his calling and questioning his faith. And on the other hand, I, I wasn't, I was like, Jesus is with me. There's another in the fire. Like we are here. I'm going to conquer, you know, but I also was totally reclusive in all of that. And, um, God taught me a lot of things, both about us and myself. Um, I remember at the very end of that season, he was on crutches. And so he kind of started that healing process you know, to go back to, to normal mobility. And, um, I had been gone on a trip and I remember being on this trip and thinking, I don't want to go home. Like, I'm, I don't want to take my kids home. I don't want to go home to this person. And it was this totally shocking thought because if you know, Eric and I, you know, that we are like deeply in love with one another. So, I realized that if I could feel that way about him, um, anyone could feel that way about any of their, you know, their spouse. Mm -hmm. And um, I came home and we had this life-changing conversation, literally changed the trajectory of our marriage. Eric says it saved his life. I mean, it, it changed everything. And I, Leading up to this conversation, I just, I prayed my butt off is what happened. Like I really prayed a lot because uh, I, I wanted to make sure I was doing it in a way that was honoring to him, but also that um, didn't hold anything back and we could really move through the next season and it'd be like, get better that we could get better. Cause I realized our foundation was not good. Our, the foundation of our marriage wasn't good. Can you hear the kids up there? <laughs> I love her. 
they're having a great time. The sound of fun boys at grandma's house, I'm sure is amazing. Oh yeah. It's pretty great. It's dinosaurs all the time right now, but following that was, you know, that was 2019. So then 2020 happened and shook everybody up and now everybody's home with their spouse and Eric and I are actually having the time of our lives. Like we were so close and we were on the mend so much and our marriage is just going up and up and up from that place. But we hit like a weird rock bottom in that season. And God really, I don't, if I didn't have the Lord, I think I would have walked away and I didn't because I trusted the Holy spirit that was inside him. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, that changed our marriage. It changed our lives, changed how we act toward each other. And hopefully how our kids will act toward their spouse. I mean, it is, it was transformative. That's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> There's so much to be said about those moments where you pray your butt off going into it and like, oh, for real. Cause you're like, am I a hypocrite? Like, am I going to say all these things? And I don't, yeah. Oh, it was not good. I mean, I, I prayed, I like sought counsel from people, but I was like, you have to love Eric because like, I love him and I want things to be better. And I just really got after it with prayer and mm-hmm. like, Lord, I, my heart will be broken. So I want this to work and I, we need to talk, you know, we need to have this conversation. Yeah, it was good. So good. I love that. So through all of that, what is a way that you got to know more truth about who God is like a characteristic of him or something that you knew to be true, but something that became like fully tangibly evident to you through that? Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, yeah, I, that season, I think really hit home for me, like the power of prayer. And I know that sounds, that sounds really generic and really cheesy. Um, but prayer is what softened Eric's heart before that conversation. Mm -hmm. And Prayer is what crafted the way I was going to say things and prayer is what sustained us even through like his, his broken bones, like prayer knit him back together and prayer knit me back together in those moments. And I think too, there was this, um, you know, almost like they talk about making your letting death into your home. I don't know if you've ever like people talk about like the supernatural or don't let death into your home. And there was like a true presence of death inside of our home. Mm -hmm. And, um, my spirit became so attuned to that, that I don't think I'll ever let that back into my life. Yeah. Simply because, I recognized death for who he was. I was like, you are not in disguise anymore. I know who you are. I know what this feels like. And like, you're not allowed in my home anymore. Mm -hmm. And I always knew, you know, like 
your words, you have power in your words, like life and death is in the tongue. But there was one night, this is going to be kind of creepy, but there was one night that I got, I got into bed next to Eric and I felt like death tucked itself into bed with us. And it was this like bone chilling, cold, fear gripping sensation. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever want to have that again. And it really hit home. Like the reality that one, Jesus conquered death. Absolutely. So he doesn't get to crawl into bed with me, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it, it almost like anthropomorphized death to this point where I could, I felt like I could spiritually fight him um, and fight it to a point, mm -hmm. uh, you know? And that was, that was for me, like, yeah, that was a serious take home from that. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, and I mean, there's a probably, there's a lot of people that death just slips underneath your door and you don't even realize it. And you are living out your lives with these thoughts that are like almost decaying your world is kind of how it felt. I felt like our marriage was decaying and our parenting was decaying and you almost don't realize it's happening to you until you wake up one night or one morning and like I don't know they say you know there's the fragrance of death mm -hmm. like in the bible it talks about the fragrance of death and that moment for me I was like oh my gosh our house smells like death like I and I just in the spiritual realm, like our house smells yeah. that way. Our, it's on my clothes. He's in my bed. Like it was so um, violating that, you know, God taught me how to fight through that and how to like the valley of the shadow of death, how to walk through it. That God was truly like walking you through that season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, there's so much to be said to like, identifying that and knowing that, like, I always tell people, I feel like when you have experienced, like when you've had an encounter like that, when you have experienced something like that and learned how to get past it or like walked through it with the Lord. Yeah. You become so much more sensitive in your spirit because you recognized it. Like, it's like all of a sudden your spirit is like, Hey, you just empowered me and I can hear, I can yeah. see like you're seeing and you're hearing and you're smelling in your spirit. And like, yeah, really. I was blind and now I'm not. And you have to get out. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much to that because like you said, it slips under people's doors and they don't ever know it. But when you have that power of the Holy spirit and you allow your spirit to like it's like you allow your spirit to have its identity. Yes. Instead of your flesh. Yeah. You know, like, cause as a kid, we encountered some things like it's a whole messy story, but, um, and now like ever since then, like I am very sensitive, like my whole life, I've always been very spiritually sensitive to things like driving by something. I can say like, there is something happening in the house. 
Yeah. Like it's just that sensitive. And I, like, I think it's because as a child, I encountered things that I shouldn't have had to encounter, but it has created the spiritual warrior within me that my dad helped, like, like my dad stepped into that. And then we just kind of moved into that together. And if I ever have a thing, it's like, Hey dad, we're fighting this. Let's fight this together, you know, but just letting your spirit be that sensitive to something gives your children that legacy to be sensitive without having to encounter it the way you did. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it just gets, it rises up that, that spirit inside of you. It, it rises you up and, you know, a lot of Christians know enough to be good and they don't know enough to be powerful. We're all focused on being moral and we forgot that we're powerful beyond that. Mm -hmm. You know, like my Christianity isn't about being the good wife. It's about being um, the powerful wife, the warrior wife. Like it's about being more than Mm. just moral, more than, you know, because and morality, I mean, don't get me started, but morality is like, it's the currency of our world right? There's good people right. and bad people. And we love to like add points to the good people and take away points from the bad people. And, and we treat it like it's this currency and that's fine. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in changing the culture around me and changing the atmosphere around me. And that season of my life showed me how to do that. It gave me license to do that. Yeah. I think. Mm, that's really good. Thanks. I like that. John Bevere has a book called good or God. And I think it comes down like that. It's kind of similar. I haven't read the full book, but like he talks about something similar to that where it's like good. Isn't necessarily God. Like it can be good and it can be godly, but yeah. it doesn't mean that it is actually God moving on your behalf or you walking in what God is calling you to. Yeah. Oh, and I think another huge takeaway for me in that season was, um, I was doing like a lot, I was doing a lot of studying and, you know, the song, another in the fire came out right about the same time I was studying Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And there was just this light bulb moment for me where I realized that as Christians, we're so focused on being comfortable like our god is a god of plenty and he wants you to be prosperous and i'm not saying that he doesn't and we you know whatever you can get into that kind of theology if you want to but one god is more concerned with your heart than he is with your um wallet yeah hands and a lot of times like there's a lot of times in our life, we're waiting for God to split the seas for us. And we're actually in a furnace Mm -hmm. and there's, there's red seas and then there's furnaces in your life. So you've got this sort of play on water and this play on fire. And when you see water in the Bible, like it's usually, and this isn't always the case, but it usually is an obstacle that somebody's having to overcome, right? Like the Red Sea, the Israelites had to go through it. Or, you know, there's a couple of times where they cross over the Jordan River. It's this obstacle that you have right. to go through, 
right? Jesus walks on top of the water in the middle of a storm, or there's the raging storm in the sea and Jesus is asleep in the bow of the boat. I mean, every time you water, water and mayhem were these like closely relinked, linked ideas within Judaism. And then you have, um, you know, fire, which we always link with hell for who knows what reason. And actually a lot of times when you see fire in the Bible, it's this refining that's happening to people. And we can the seasons in our life and we're like, Lord, part the sea for me, walk on water, like allow me to reach over the, you know, cause God's going to make a way through or he's going to make a way over. And God's like, whoa, I'm not going to do that because you are in the middle of a fire and we've got to be in it because we're going to burn some things off of you. Right. Or God, (laughs) yeah, like he refines us in fire. He prunes us in a garden and none of those things are pleasant. Yeah. And a lot of times when we're in a season where things are unpleasant, we ask for God to rescue us Mm -hmm. because we mistake fire and water all the time. And so I was in this season and I'm like, Lord, have you forgotten me? Do you not see me? Like, look at me. I am not, I haven't slept. I mean, I need life support. Like what are we, you know, how is this happening to us? And, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a sea that he needed to split for us. And it wasn't water we needed to walk over. It was literally something we need to go through yeah. onto the other side. And it was refining and it was pruning. And if I had been removed from this struggle and this suffering, I wouldn't be half the person I was today. Our marriage wouldn't be anywhere near it is today. Mm-hmm. Like that season had to happen. And, uh you know, I'm speaking from the, from the middle of like another really refining season. (laughs) So we're we're like a little bit homeless. Um, but yeah, I'm like speaking from another really crazy season in our life. And I have learned to lean into that, Mm -hmm. to ask, okay, I'm in it. What are you changing in me? Where are the rough edges that you can sand off? Like how make me holy because that's who I want to be. Yeah. Don't, you know, but on the other hand, you have people who, who do need to be rescued from Satan who are like, this is the Lord's test. You're like, it is not, you need to get out of there. (laughs) Like, so I think the Holy spirit, a lot of times we forget to ask the Holy spirit to help us discern whether or not something is truly from the Lord or from Satan, because so often we call things from the Lord, the devil's work yeah, and vice versa. And we get, we get mistaken. And so we're either annoyed that God hasn't rescued us yet when in reality, he's walking through it with us, Mm -hmm. or we don't even know to ask God to rescue us. And yeah. So learning how to discern between those two things um, and then learning to lean in when you do have these seasons of suffering, uh, that those were some huge takeaways for me from, from that time of my life. Mm. That's really good. I don't think I've ever really like 
thought about the differences between the water and the fire. Yeah. And they're not, I mean, it's not every case, like, right. Jesus talks about hell as being like the burning and gnashing of teeth. Right. So there's fire and it's not, it's not like a full split down the middle, all the cases of fire and all the cases of water, but very often in the Bible, water is more chaotic and yeah. fire is more refining. And we kind of, we mix them up a lot. Mm-hmm. In our- yeah. I feel like so many times people just take that verse that says, be still and I will fight for you. And they just think like, oh, I'm just going to stand on that verse and I'm going to be still when really, like you said, maybe in that moment, like you're supposed to be still, but not because he's fighting for you, but because he's fighting through you. Like he's changing those things and removing those things. And if you just stand there and wait for him to fight for you, you're not ever going to get to the other side of what he's trying to do in you. Yeah. We so desperately want to be rescued out of anything that feels uncomfortable Mm-hmm. And that's why it's never changed. That's why the church hasn't completed the Great Commission. Because if we're so focused on being comfortable instead of being powerful and changed Absolutely. and holy, um, then we'll be comfortable and people will go to hell. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, that's what's going to happen. And so uh, in that time of my life, I thought, okay, I'm going to do the thing that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to I'm going to lean in to the seasons that are hard because I don't have my eyes focused on what's good for me in this moment. I have my eyes focused on how are we going to gain ground for the kingdom? And I'm not going to gain it as Chelsea 2.0. I got to be Chelsea (laughs) 3.0, Chelsea 4.0. Like I need to be on the other side of every, I want people to be like, I want people in four years to go, we don't even recognize you anymore. You know, like you've changed so much. How many of us are sitting in church week after week after week, and it's 10 years down the road and your life doesn't look any different. Well, honey, you're not that close to Jesus that your life should not look different 10 years later. Right. You know, I don't care what kind of like church folk you are. You're not Jesus enough. So sit in a pew for 10 years, but like, let's do some stuff for Jesus. Oh, I get so frustrated. <laughs> like, I get so, my like Holy spirit gets rolling, but yeah. Oh, that's like, so I don't good. Want people to be like, that's who, you know, that's, that's just who Chelsea is. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I look more and more like Jesus. I think that that is the part that matters. Like I shared last week on my podcast, like listening to Amy Grant talk about being drowning with children and how she just, her mother-in-law told her to just pray that like, if you're exhausted and you're drowning and you're in that season where you just can't see straight because you're sleep deprived or you're going through something that's just blinding and you just like, God, let something I do today have eternal significance. Nothing else matters. Like, and it does, it shifts that focus, especially as a mom. Um, where you just, you think, okay, my kids' grades don't matter that much. My kids' hearts are what matter. And the fact that their eternity matters and like just shifting your focus to that, like eternity. Yeah. Changes everything about how you go through your day and how you get frustrated with about the tiny things that are not going to matter tomorrow, much less in eternity. 
Well, and I think all the time about the, you know, the disciples, they're, they're fishing and they can't, they're like pulling up empty nets and Jesus is, you know, comes and he tells them to fish on the other side of the boat, which is wrong. You know, like that's not how you would do it. So already he's kind of doing something weird (laughs) and they're like, okay, bro, like whatever, man, just would you stop being a backseat fisher? And so they like cast their nets on the other side, right? Because I mean, you have to be honest, like people get it. I get annoyed with Jesus reading the Bible because I wish he would just answer like a question right. when they ask the question. So, you know, the disciples were frustrated with it. So they they cast the net on the other side and they pull it up and it's loaded with fish mm-hmm. and they pull it into their boat and then their boat looks like it's going to break and they freak out. Yeah. And how many times do we pull in this overabundance of a blessing from God and then we lose our business? Like we just freak yeah. because all of a sudden it looks like our boat is sinking. Our boat is sinking. Our nets are breaking. This yeah, and- carpenter person who knows nothing is telling me what to do and he broke all my stuff. Right here I am praying for an awesome marriage. And then when, I, when I'm actually pulling the thing into the boat, that's going to make my marriage good. Like I think I'm sinking. Yeah. And so how often are the things we're praying for things. And then when they land in our boat, we just start complaining about the boat and the water and the nets. And so we do, we just, I don't understand. I get so mad at myself and I get so (laughs) mad at other Christians. I'm like, how are we, we don't have a boat breaking faith. Yeah. Like the moment that blessing comes and God starts truly blessing us, it's so uncomfortable and so scary that we want empty nets again because empty nets were predictable and empty nets were okay with us. Yeah. And just Lord, help me not to be an empty net kind of person. Let, let me lean into the things, you know, that you bring into my boat and shoot, like it might sink, but I can swim. <laughs> right? Know? Yeah. That's really good. Have you watched The Chosen? I haven't. Everybody tells me Eric's watched oh. it. Everybody tells me I need to watch it because I'm all so about it. I cry I every episode and there is an episode there. Like it is that moment of the, sh- the fish and the nets. And oh, like, I was sitting there watching it with Nolan and I'm like weeping because it was that, like you could just feel it. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Okay. I need to watch it. I'm not, I don't, I like haven't watched TV in probably a year and a half. Like I don't watch a whole lot of TV. And so I need to just, well, I told Eric, like the book better. There's a devotional book. So you can just do it as like a small group, like where you okay. go through. That you, would be good. I can yes. do that. Can yeah. That. So it's like, it's set up as a small group discussion. So you watch okay. the episodes as like a small group video. And they like, they talk with a rabbi and they have like all this historical context on why they did the things they did and like how they're telling this. Oh, it's so good. Anyways. Okay. So good. I dig it. I yeah. like what they're doing. I mean, I, I know what they're doing. Like, I like it. I just yeah. haven't watched it. It's fantastic. That's, Watch it yeah. from a Bible study perspective and you'll be like, yeah, I cry every episode. It's so good. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So through any of those times or any of the other times really is there has there been a 
a scripture or a word or something that you've heard from the Lord that you would like to share, like a Rama word where it just came alive to you that you think would be encouraging for someone else? Yeah. Um, as far as scripture goes, I mean, I, I think, oh gosh, now I'm going to quote it wrong. And then that's going to be really embarrassing, but I want to say it's like James five, one, where it's the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Mm -hmm. Um, no, this is about rich people. Hold on, hold on. Righteous and effective. Let's figure it out. Cause I would hate to say it wrong. Um, but that, that's one that I've always stood on just because like we're made righteous through Christ, which means our prayers are powerful and effective. And I almost like, that's like the pep talk that I give myself before I even start praying. I'm like, my prayers are powerful and effective. The prayers of a righteous person, powerful and effective. So I'm not just sitting there and pouring my heart out to the Lord, you know, just to be cathartic. Like I'm actually sitting there and pouring my heart out to the Lord because I'm interested in changing the things around me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it really just changes my mindset. Okay. It's, uh, James five sixteen. So I'm a number off. So James five sixteen. prayer of a righteous person, powerful and effective. That's so good. Uh, yeah. That's when I prayed. I mean, I prayed for our home and, um, gosh, when I was praying for our, our son and his surgery, when I was praying for our home, when I was praying for Eric's healing, um, you know, I, I told all of these, I remember when I got pregnant with our son and I told all these people that I was going to have a 30 minute labor and the room laughed at me. And I was like, get behind me y'all. Cause that's what I'm praying for. And that's all I'm speaking into existence. <laughs> and then they, people kept asking me if I wanted an epidural and I was like, I don't know. I'm not going to have time to have one. And I, I get really like, like a dog with a bone when I'm praying for something. So I almost won't consider any other options, which can be really like bullheaded of me, but I call it faith. And <laughs> so, so I was praying for that. And then lo and behold, I had like a three hour delivery only pushed for 30 minutes and I didn't have an epidural. Because, because I, they didn't have time to give me one. We were in the hospital for an hour and then we had our son. And I was like, the prayer of righteous person is powerful and effective. I'm going to get what I prayed for. Yeah. Because uh, I knew I didn't have the faith to pray for, you know, a pain-free delivery, but I had the faith to pray for a fast one. <laughs> so by the time we had my daughter, they wheeled me into the to the hospital and one of the nurses goes get this lady a room she has her babies like crazy <laughs> it was wild that's amazing yeah so i'm gonna print that i'm gonna make it like a pretty thing and i'm gonna print it we have a prayer closet and we have like okay. sticky notes and i have the kids write their prayers and then we move them like we kind of evaluate and then we'll move the sticky notes from one side to the other wall as they get answered to like evaluate you know, like to show yeah. the kids that even if he's not answering them, like we're still believing for them, but he does answer prayers, you know, kind of this whole conversation. So I'm going to no, put that and like, put it on the wall for the kids to see it. As yeah. It, it's a great little, like, I mean, that is my go-to. That is what I stand on. Um, 
there's also my husband's go-to is um gosh I don't know the citation this is really bad that's okay. that I don't know where these are um but it is um humble yourself before the Lord and at the proper time he'll exalt you mm. and we have had um supernatural favor on our lives I mean we're only 30 and we really have um, had a lot of opportunities that other people would only dream of Mm -hmm. and we've had those I think because we we honestly just humble ourselves and we wait for God to raise our platform I'm not seeking a platform he's not seeking a platform um, because I don't ever want it to be about building my kingdom absolutely Uh, and so that that's kind of like the verse that he lives on so we you know between the two of us we're like constantly going back and forth between those um i think another principle that we live by is just keep your eyes on eternity Mm -hmm. so if you can keep your eyes set on eternity um then you won't you won't evaluate the things in your life the same way that somebody else might. That's right. Cause heaven, heaven forbid you, you know, be a professed Christian and somebody who loves Jesus. And then your life doesn't look any different than anybody else's. You know, if, if you love Jesus and you look the same as your neighbor who doesn't, then like, what's the point of loving Jesus? Right. Cause he's obviously not changing you. And, um, when you, when you put your eyes on eternity, when you start thinking about things with this sort of eternal mindset, you don't get angry the same way. Mm-hmm. You hope in a different way. You, you're almost like more patient and more slow to move. Yeah. Um, this season's really rocked us because we, we left a job. We left a home and friends and family that we built in a different state. We traveled cross country and, um, you know, and now we're like trying to find a home and we just found a job and all of that looks really crazy, (laughs) but we love Jesus and we have our eyes set on eternity. We know that God is constantly, changing his kingdom and where he's he's rearranging the people in his kingdom to transform the world and we want to be a part of that and sometimes being a part of that looks totally different and looks like you have no security it looks like you know it looks foolish to the world and I'm really comfortable with looking foolish to the world as long as I know that I'm acting in faith on God's behalf Mm 